Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Therapy, the show where we talk about your problems with Nebraska football and assorted sports. Todd it, joins it's e- me. It's easier. Master- what? What? It's I'm- easier to provide therapy after a win. It is. It is. Wait. Did there comments? Yes, there's comments coming in already. Thank God. What? Uh, how you doing? What do you know? I'm doing real good. Had a good week. Had a good weekend. I mean, good weekend for Nebraska. Um, but yeah, I spent some time over in Eastern Iowa with uh, my daughter and her young family. That was great. Um, so uh, I got to watch. Uh, I watched probably about as much football this weekend as I've watched in a long time. So that was that was nice. So yeah. Did you watch? Did you watch Texas lose? I did. I did. And uh, I I loved. I loved how. You know, Oklahoma just tore their heart out with a spoon. I mean, and slowly, you know, they let that clock just, you know, at the end, just, you know, click down and click down. Uh, you know, you knew it was uh, it was Oklahoma all the way there at the end. So I love that. That was great. That it was, was great. It was an excellent game. And if you think I about watch it, the whole thing. I was on the road a little bit of that, but yeah, it was it was good. So it was a really good game. Now think about it. The year before that, the year before that, I don't know if it was Oklahoma's worst loss ever in that rivalry, but they were beaten forty nine to zero, oh, and people Texas wanted people wanted clock. Brent Fenables fired and dead, and it looked like he didn't know how to coach. And then this year. You know, Oklahoma, what are they, ranked sixth or something? They're in the top ten, and Texas dropped because they lost. And probably not going to make the college football playoff, and everybody is weeping big tears for them. They're not. They're not. Yeah, I, I, uh, um, I was really, really – I was really happy to see the result of that game. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just It was just fun. I watched Iowa State play. A lot of their game on Saturday, you know, I'm an Iowa State fan, and it was fun to see them beat TCU. And, um, you know, I, I like Matt Campbell. He's doing a lot of good there at, at Iowa State. And what was really cool is I saw on Twitter after the game that Coach Mack came back, uh, you know, Coach Dan McCarney, who who made Iowa State relevant. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he made Iowa State relevant a few years back. And, um, you know, then he was, he was let go, and uh, he'd uh, – gone down to North Texas state. He coached at Florida, the offensive line when uh, they won a national championship. Anyway, it was good to see him back in the locker room after the game. So yeah, I had a good game and uh, a good weekend. And, um, but you know what? Nebraska won their game on Friday night. They did. And I, I hate Friday night college football games. I hate yeah. them. I hate them. I hate them. You know, that's the domain of, of high school football. And it just pisses me off that, um, it isn't sacred for that, but um, it was a good way to start the weekend with a win for Nebraska. John, what, what were your thoughts on the game Friday night? It was ugly, but it was a win. I mean, you know, they, I think, uh, I, okay, let's go. Linda Wilkins says, hi, Linda. Thanks for being here. John, I'm afraid that the bye week will not make any difference. I don't think you can coach stupidity out in an extra week. That was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. I don't think it was necessarily stupid, but it was ugly. But here's the thing. I think uh, the key is this. Last year, we would have lost that game, or the year before, we would have lost that game. This year, we didn't lose that game, and I think that's a math, That's a huge difference. 
I mean, they went down the field and they turned the ball over like three times in a row when we could have put the game away. And you're all sitting there going, holy shit, they're not putting the game away. And I challenge all of you, all of you that are watching this right now, I challenge you with this statement. There was never a point ever in that game that Illinois was going to win. Never. And when we talk about our team learning how to win, that means we need to learn how to win too. Because if you looked at Nebraska defense, there was never in that game ever where Illinois' offense was a threat to win the game. We gave up one big play and that's it. Huh? Huh? No, I, John, I don't disagree with you on that. I, you know, I was happy with the win. I think we all should be happy with the win. Um, you know, I was following along on the thread uh, during the game on on Friday night, and there were, you know, people that uh, were threatening to, you know, shut off the game and and go watch uh, the volleyball game on that first uh, offensive series for Illinois, where they took it down the field. But you know, they didn't score. The defense. Yeah. Scored. And, you know, it just – this sink or swim situation with this football team this year. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be as bad as some people think they're going to be, and they're not going to be as good as other people might think they're going to be. Uh, a win is a win, and, and I'm always going to maintain that. They don't give you style points. You know, you don't get style points when, you when you know, the final – score goes up on the scoreboard. And, uh, you know, we've got to be happy with wins. Uh, you know, if we want to bitch and complain uh, that that a win wasn't pretty enough, um, then, you know, go back to your video of the 1990s that you've gotten stored someplace and and uh, critique those games. Uh, but that's that's not where this program is right now. So there were some frustrating things. It was not a great game. Um, you know, it, it just uh, um, blew my mind that, uh, you know, we had that one series right before halftime where logic said either run the ball, but more maybe defined, you know, just kneel it, kneel it, take it. Right. And we threw three right. passes, you know, get to the it just, you know, some of that stuff blows my mind. And, and, you know, I don't know what, you know, I heard some talking heads try to rationalize that saying, you know, Matt Rule was trying to play mind games with the team. And, and you know, we are, you know, we're not going to give an inch. We're going to fight all the way through this. Well, come on, come on. There has to be some common sense. Linda Wilkins again says Ben Scott's belly flopping on the guy. That was already, I assume she means what that was already on the ground was not stupid. Uh, you know, here's the thing. That was we stupid. Wanted- ben Scott has done stupid shit all year. He's had three unsportsmanlike conduct penalties for cheap shots well after the whistle. There's a difference between protecting your quarterback, protecting your players, and being a knothead. And, Linda, I'm with you on Ben Scott. He's a flipping knothead. Wow. Okay, and you were going to say what, John? <laughs> Nothing. I, I, I'm afraid now. <laughs> I was going to say everybody wants that one offensive lineman that goes the extra. You go over the line so you know where the line is. And apparently jumping on a guy that's already on the ground is over over the line. Wow. (laughs) Ben Scott has been over the line all year. And now his 
Now his snaps are not very consistent either, but he's the best we got, so you got to go with him. You know, maybe they'll get that young freshman, you know, coached up so that we don't have to look at Ben Scott all season, in my opinion. But anyway, that's kind of harsh. Cornhusker Corner says Ben Scott play was flat out dirty. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But an offensive lineman, I mean, you know, they do things that nobody nobody else can comprehend because they're like, okay, you know, something happened three plays ago. And, it, uh, you know, the you thing don't is, need to defend off, him. He's a dirty off, player, John. <laughs> Jeez. Here's, let's talk about some positives here. James Marshall oh said, Oh, my God, I'm already hot. I was at the game. Nebraska dominated in the trenches. That was the difference. Had the Illinois quarterback not played well, uh, it would have been worse for them. Well, I I would say Nebraska did win in the trenches. Uh, you know, it was as John said, it wasn't pretty. Um, I, I would say Nebraska's defensive line definitely won in the trenches. I'm yeah. not sure if you'd say if the offensive line won. I'd think maybe I would just say maybe it was a stalemate more on the offensive side a little bit. Anyway, I, I won't argue with that. But uh, I didn't think that, that Illinois quarterback, he's bad. He is bad. And, uh, um, you know, he might have had a are. decent night compared to other nights. But um, he is he, he's, he's not a good quarterback. Now, I thought, you know, I thought Illinois would put together a game that was a little bit more than that. But they didn't. Uh, I mean, they really didn't do anything other than that first drive, and everybody was. You're right. Everyone, the first drive is like, oh, oh, the world is ending, and then the world didn't. You know. It was really fun. Well, I, I'm surprised Illinois can't run the ball. I, I, I just, you know, yeah. a Burt Bielema team that can't yeah. run the ball, and and yeah. you know that Love is not a bad runner, but um, right. I was surprised they couldn't run the ball. Aaron Aaron Rostoskatoski says, John, the question mark, yeah, I didn't fill the rest in. I figured you guys could fill the rest in for me. Uh, okay, let's check that off. Check out that one. Uh, Cilantro says, did anyone feel better about the Michigan loss after fi- watching them blow the doors off of Minnesota? Well, I didn't real. I, you know what? I didn't feel that bad about the Michigan loss, other than the fact that we looked flat and uninterested. Because Michigan, like I said before, Michigan is a team without weaknesses, and I would fully expect them. The game between them and Penn State is going to be, I think, one of the best games of the year. I think Michigan should handle Ohio State because I look at Ohio State and I just think they're not all there. I think they're mentally not all there. They're they're just a few just not like Nebraska's not all there. Okay. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State are on this level. Nebraska, we're here and we're trying to figure out how to get up here. So I guess I watched the Michigan Minnesota game for a little bit and uh Minnesota is I there we should have won that game. Yeah. But we didn't. Yeah. I, I, Minnesota I is not a good football team this year. Yeah. I just I just gotta you know I'm no disrespect to cilantro's question here. You know, I think it's a legitimate question. I just got a bad taste in my mouth about the, the Michigan loss. And, and, and I, I don't know that I can put a finger on it. And, you know, maybe it is because there was just kind of an apathetic approach, you know, yeah. by the players in that game. Maybe that's why I've, I've got that bad taste. Maybe, maybe um, they did us the biggest favor. 
they could have. Um, well, I mean, the Sunday, you know, they talked about the Sunday night practice where Rule basically said you were going to put pads on. We're not yeah. doing this shit anymore. And then they beat the hell out of each other in practice. And apparently, maybe they got a message through there. Well, I, you know, the one thing that Matt Rule has said, we're going to learn. And, uh, you know, he 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 did not say anything after that Michigan loss that we're going to flush this and forget all about it. Oh, no. You know, he he used that as, you know, a classroom session. And part of that was putting the pads on Saturday and going live or excuse me, on Sunday and and going live. I mean, you know, he he took opportunity and and they will now, too. You know, they've got the bye week here. Um, You know, I Linda, I don't know if they can. I don't think they can fix all of the stupid. You know, I. I, uh, in, in my previous job, I worked with a consultant and there were a lot of meetings that we had, uh, with people over the years. I'm, I better, I'm going to choose my words very, very carefully. We had a lot of meetings over the years and there were many of those meetings when the two of us, when it was all over and everybody had left, we'd sit across from the table, looking at each other, shaking our head. And, uh, she would say, Todd, you can't fix stupid. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure we can fix all the stupid, but there are some things that, that can be fixed and will be fixed. Um, you know, uh, Marnav says, evening gentlemen, what would be your suggestions to help the team with the fumbling and penalty issues? You know, it's, it's just going to take, it's going to take reps and reps and reps. And, you know, there is a way to carry the football, uh, that makes it more secure. And Five points of contact. Exactly. And carrying it high up on the chest. And, you know, there's it's I think a lot of that is a mindset and some confidence. Um, I was kind of surprised that Matt Rule went to bat for the team a little bit on the penalty issues. And he even said in his postgame press conference that, you know, we're not a sloppy team. We're not an undisciplined team. Well, you wouldn't know that watching them. I mean, but, you know, he was saying that the Illinois defense was uh, yelling a lot of stuff, you know, trying to get the Nebraska players to jump and that type of thing. But, you know, oh, they, they were they, Nebraska earlier in this season was called for disconcerting signals. Yeah. And one of our linebackers was called for clapping. And a lot of times, you know, the quarterbacks will clap and the defenders will clap to throw that off. Apparently Illinois was yelling stem and go, I think. And two of those are like uh, snap count things, and you can't be doing that shit. And they didn't get called for it. And right. I can see, I can see where that's difficult because, it, listen, my whole high school career, probably, probably yours too, Todd. You played under center, right? The quarterback yeah. center. He wasn't in the shotgun, and when he's under center, you know his voice is right next to you. Know I usually played guard. Your, your voice is right here. And quite frankly, he could pinch the center's ass if he wanted to get him to go early. Stuff like that. But when you're in the shotgun, you have to do all sorts of things uh, to get the snap off properly, especially in a hostile environment. Illinois, I don't think, was hostile. Except that if the opposing players are yelling shit while you're trying to do your cadence, and they're not supposed to be able to do that, and they weren't called for it. But, um, you know, I. I think that Matt Rule, part of him standing up in the postseason or post presser, was standing up and saying, "Hey, this happened. We're not undisciplined. 
And it's basically say we wasn't talking about that game. He's talking about future games. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that he was he was trying to get a few uh he 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 wanted the the Big Ten officials and oversight to to hear that. You know, yeah, he's he did. Yeah. You're, you're he can't right. do anything about the game that's over. He can do things about the games in the future. So if he's got other people out there on defense, you know, defenders yelling snap signals again, the referees are, have been put on notice in a way. I don't know right. if that carries that much weight, but, you know, he's at least spoken out loud about it. Well, it looks like, John, looks like our friend M. Gabowski from Michigan is back here, and he says, why are Nebraska fans complaining about it being ugly? Nebraska just won a big game on the road. Great win. I, I concur 100%. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you where that comes from. Uh, you know, my wife, who is not a Nebraska fan, um, will, uh, in, in, in company where we're sitting around talking <laughs> Nebraska football, she always goes back to the days when Nebraska was running up the score you know, against uh, Big Eight and Big Twelve teams, and she would, and then they'd bitch and whine that it either wasn't enough or they they didn't get enough yards rushing or or you know they was they were always yeah. finding something to bitch about, and you know I just I, I think that that's kind of the nature of Nebraska. Did she bring up fans, the you know? did she bring up the seventy two to three score she always does? Yeah, she uh, she she brings that up from time to time. Um, but you know, it's, um, it's, uh, Nebraska's have Nebraska fans have a high standard and yeah, they cool. always have, and they always have. And, you know, despite the fact that our, our team has not been good, you know, in recent years, a lot of people still have high expectations and I think it's a little unreasonable, but you know, I'm just one guy. And um, I think there's other people that kind of feel that way too. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going to take the win. It, it was a big win, and it was on the road. It is hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. Look at Purdue. I mean, Purdue just had a big win. You know, a week ago. Um, you know, a, a a huge win against Illinois, and then they go into Iowa City and they get punked by the Hawkeyes. So yeah. It's hard to win on. Did the you watch that game? No, I didn't. Um, I did not. Yeah, I watched that game. It, Iowa's defense was just well; they were lights out. I mean, they played very well, and Purdue didn't particularly play well. Um, I think the week before last week, I said I had watched Iowa's backup quarterback, and I thought that he was maybe pretty decent. <laughs> and I'm going to take all of that back because, my God, they. It amazes you're in your what is it twenty third year of coaching and you can't you can't recruit a quarterback as a backup that's serviceable. He looked like a high school quarterback that could barely throw the ball downfield. It was terrible on Iowa's offense. Uh, I think Purdue just had mistakes. You know what I mean? They just had mistakes that cost him that game. And uh, Iowa, you know, Iowa does what Iowa does. They play defense and they punted the ball really well. Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fred Sacco says the thing ruled called out that Illinois did. Is that in fact okay to do? I'll say answer that by saying this. If the officials aren't calling it, then yeah. 
I mean, you're on a football field. You're going to do what they're not calling. If they're not calling you for yelling out cadence stuff and yelling out stuff to disrupt the snap, then yes, it's okay to do. And it's kind of like speeding is only against the law when you're caught. I, yes, I have that attitude. But And then we'll go with this with Wade Farr. What is the deal with holding? Looks like their guys are holding on and Nebraska just holds them back instead of getting away from them. Well, if you go back and look at the the play that was their touchdown pass that was uh, – there was a pretty egregious, horrid, just a nasty hold on one of our defensive linemen on that play, and it's not called because they don't call holding. They don't just not call holding against Nebraska. They don't call holding against anybody in the Big Ten. And you literally have to tackle a guy and, like, I don't know, lay on him, and then when he tries to get up, tackle him again to get a holding call. So they don't. They don't call holding. So uh, there you go. There's my ranty bit about that. Todd. Todd is frozen. <laughs> okay. We'll keep going with the uh, Nicholas Timlin. Thanks for being here, Nicholas. Baby steps. Got to keep working on it. Oh, Todd is back. Uh, okay. Yes. Nicholas was correct. Baby steps. And we got to keep working on it. Okay. Go ahead okay. with Mays. Mays and rage is a Michigan fan. I believe the goal line stand versus Illinois is what really starts your path back to a winning program. Also rule will take time. Harbaugh didn't fix Michigan fast. Be patient. You know, those, those goal lines, there were three different plays in that game where Illinois had less than a yard to go for a first down. And, you know, both teams manned up. I mean, they, they were going to go mano a mano. And uh, our fellas stopped all three of those uh, short yardage plays. And that's the first time in a long time that I remember our defense standing yeah. up like that um, against a, an offensive line. And, you know, I, does that is, – is that a, a – uh, is that going to – vault us back to success. I, you know, I don't know, but it certainly is a stepping stone. Um, our, our defense is developing an identity. Our, our defensive line uh, is playing tough. And, and I think that's a, a huge, huge part of um, what we need to look for going forward. Okay. Uh, there's that one. Caleb Ward says three and three looks good to me. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot better than two and four. I can say that. Uh, class Clay Casselder says, does the false snap fall on the refs or the coach? Well, there's a lot of ways to call for cadence, or there's a lot of ways. And, I mean, you see it in football games all the time. You see, you know, remember Peyton Manning yelling at Omaha and stuff and and players yelling out, uh, cadences before the before the play snapped and, and then people clapping, you know the the. So, I you know the obvious one it should fall in the officials, but again, if they're not calling it, then you have to do something different, or you have to come up with something different because the the obvious problem with that is false starts, and at worst, the center snaps the ball when the quarterback's not looking for it, and nobody calls that, and it's a fumble and it's a turnover and stuff like that. So. I think you do have to have like backups or, you know, a, a plan B in place if things go wrong. I mean, years ago, remember all the games that were years ago 
where the coaches would get angry or the quarterback would step back and refuse to snap the ball because the crowds were too loud. Right. You know, right. Remember those, you know, and the, and the refs would calm, try to calm the crowd down, which of course would incite the crowd to greater noise. And I we haven't seen that happen for quite a while. I don't even think they'd look at it and they're just kind of like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. We, it's your problem. Figure it out. <sighs> okay. We've got a couple of them I want to toss up here. I think we'll have some good conversation about these. Uh, um, first one is from GBR Far North. Uh, we could, we could have, and should have beat Minnesota. And had we, we would be four and two, and this whole conversation would look different. And then Cornhusker Corner comes in and says, "If HH starts from the beginning of the year, are we five and one right now?" Um, John, what are your thoughts with that on both? Of I'm going to I'm going to say no. I really am. I'm going to say no, and the reason why I'm going to say no is Nebraska needed an attitude adjustment. I I know that you can go back, especially Minnesota. We we threw the game away. We threw the game away, and with the turnovers, cost us the game, and it was horrifying and terrible. But the honest to God truth for this Nebraska football team to start playing what we consider Nebraska football. They needed an attitude adjustment, which I think occurred, you know, somewhere between Michigan and Illinois and that first drive that we stopped on the fourth, you know, in the on the goal line. Uh, we can talk all about, you know, what if and that those kinds of things, but um, I don't know if we are. I think Colorado still would have beat us, honestly, because I just think they have more dynamic playmakers in their offense. Uh, Minnesota, we shouldn't – maybe we'd be four and two, but again – I think you had to get – you know what I mean? Like, you know, They had to go on a hero's journey, okay? That's what this is. It's the plot line of a hero's journey. You know, you're asked to do some great task. Normally the hero refuses in the first chapter, and then he accepts his burden, and then he complains about it, and then he says, okay, I'm going on this hero's journey, and I will do great things. And that's that's literally where we're at. Every time I think about this, I think about uh, who is it? Suko and the the Avatar, not the freaking blue movie, blue guy movie. You know, the Last Airbender, where Suko, the 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 dishonored prince of Fire Nation, had tried to go back and get his honor, and then when he does, he discovers it's nothing he ever wanted in the first place. That kind of hero's journey. You know what I mean? Nebraska yeah. had to do that, I think. Because that's the kind of stuff I believe in is that kind of romantic shit like that. <laughs> well, I, I like that analogy, John. I, I I appreciate that. I think that's a good explanation. I I don't think we're five and one with Heinrich Harbert. In fact, I don't think the outcome of the Minnesota game is any different. There are people that want to pile on Jeff Sims. You know, call me a Jeff Sims defender. I don't care. You know, I got thick skin. I got a strong back. But um, it, that would have been Heinrich Harburg's first start. That would have been his first start. And, you know, as a, in essence, a first-time starter in front of a hostile crowd on the road, um, you know, I'm not uh, – I, I don't know that Heinrich Harburg would have been able to step up to the plate and, and done any better than Jeff Sims did. Um, Jeff Sims did an excellent job in that game with his own legs. Uh, yeah, you know, those interceptions were killer. And the, and the, 
against Minnesota. They were yeah. they were killer. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's a game Nebraska could have and should have won, but I don't think Heinrich Harburg would have been the difference maker in there. Um, I personally don't think that Heinrich Harburg is the long-term answer to right. Nebraska football success. I, I fully believe that um, the starting quarterback for Nebraska next year is currently not on the roster. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a true freshman either, but you know, that's, that's a debate we can have a little bit later on. Fred Sacco says the hero's journey, one ring to rule them all and rule is spelled R H U L E our, our beloved head coaches rule. Uh, I'm going to real quick. Go, oh, I missed it. Uh, you get it. Wait, you get it. No, wait, wait far. Why does Nebraska even bother with walk on quarterbacks? We got a cute quarterback from Blair today, preferred walk on. They make a huge deal about it. And then he continued this on that says, then they disappear. You know, <clears throat> I can't remember if it's in Paul Koch's books that are sitting over there or um, come on, the offensive line, Tenniper's books. But, you remember under Osborne, they had a large walk-on program. And in one of those books, one of the coaches makes a, a huge deal about the walk-ons understanding their role on the Nebraska football team. And their role wasn't to get on the field. Their role was to make sure if they were on the scout team that their football team was prepared to play the next opponent. And that's what these quarterbacks are there for. That's what the walk-on players are there for. A lot of them are probably never going to see the field. They're going to work their asses off in the in the weight room. They're going to work themselves off in conditioning. And they're going to go through all the shit, probably never get any glory for it. But their job is to prepare the football team for the next opponent. And that's, yeah. a you know, somebody needs to do that. And uh, so – that's why they're kind of a big deal and, you know, why we want Nebraska boys there because them Nebraska boys kick ass. There you go. Well, and, you know, I believe back in the day that there was a walk-on quarterback from up in northeast Nebraska, I think, or maybe not that far north. Uh, we called him the Terminator. And uh, Matt Terman played a very important role in a ball game down at Kansas state when Tommy Frazier was out and Brooke Berenger was having issues with a collapsed lung. And, uh, that was, that was a national championship season. And Matt Terman was the difference maker there. Uh, he saved that season. Um, another reason why, you know, you grab those walk on quarterbacks is as John says, you know, they take their job very serious when they're leading those scout teams. And, um, you know, they, they, they want to be on the team for selfish reasons. You know, a lot of those guys just love the game and they have aspirations of being a coach sometime. And, uh, you know, being around a big time college football program benefits them. So they are they are people that you need. John, I've got one I want to throw up here. Because okay. This is this was been debated a bit recently. Uh, Lonnie Kittle Kittleman says uh, the next person that calls for Sat to get fired, I'm going to throw a punch. Look at what you've done to me, John. Um, yeah, John does incite violence. Um, <laughs> I bring he, out he, the best of people everywhere. Yep, he, he always has incited violence. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's – I'm <laughs> – Lonnie, I'm baffled a little bit by some of the play calls. But uh, we haven't had an offensive coordinator since Tom Osborne was calling the offense – 
who didn't baffle me from time to time with some of the play calls. And even Tom Osborne at times, you know, you just kind of think, why did he call that? You know, what's going on here? I remarked earlier in the show, Lonnie, it just blew my mind that we threw three consecutive passes at the end of the first half. That just made absolutely no sense at all to me. But I think it's uh, something they have to do. I think it's like in his contract. I get to have a three-pass series that makes no sense every game. We had Tim. Okay, we'll do it right before the half, then, you bastard. Who's who's our offense? Oh, Watson, Sean Watson. Yeah, Sean Watson was the offensive coordinator we had years ago. I think he had a ten-inch thick playbook, and he was determined that he was going to get through two-thirds of that playbook every game. I mean, you know, it didn't. If something worked once. You never saw it again because that wasn't uh, – we already played that. We already put that play in. So, um, Colin Jay says yeah. Lonnie Satterfield should be fired. Let's fight. I don't know who Lonnie Satterfield – is this like a, a waitress at a bar you like and she's not paying attention to you? Because, you know, <laughs> there's some women out there named Lonnie that was – they're nice looking. Um, people are bringing up walk-ons. Stetson Bennett was a walk-on. I Am Hip was a walk-on. Somebody mentioned the Macavica boys were walk-ons. I don't know if that's true. No, I think they were. Were they? Yeah, I think so. Oh, Roger Moore is with, uh, did they ever vote on the stadium rebuild? Yes, the Board of Regents approved it. And now the hard part, now they have to go out and find all the money. And here's the thing. I spent the last few days and I thought it's the it's the bye week. I should do like a history video about Memorial Stadium. And I have been going through newspaper articles and stuff from like 1920, 1919, well, 1920. <clears throat> the stadium originally cost around $450,000, so now it's 100 times or whatever that is. I think I can't do math. 450,000 to build originally. Now it's 450 million you know, inflation, (laughs) but it was paid for by subscriptions. A lot of it was subscriptions from people. If you can believe that. And there are articles in there about how the faculty would contribute money and it would have a list of all the faculty at the university of Nebraska and how much they gave. So it's kind of interesting. You know, nowadays we look at it and go, for 150 million, you're going to raise 225 million. What millionaires are going to give you money? Because I got to buy chicken. But yes, they did vote on the stadium rebuild, and and it's going to move forward, and we'll see if we can raise the money. Todd, um, here's one I found kind of interesting. Um, I I do not listen to to Bill Bush. Um, I wish I had better radio reception when I'm driving in the mornings, but Colin Jay says Bill Bush said today that he thinks Nebraska would have beat NIU, uh, Law Tech, and Illinois with Sims or Purdy as well. I agree. Uh, not taking anything away from Heinrich Harburg, though. And, you know, um, absolutely. I, I I think going forward, you know, there's uh, we got the bye. Um, play Northwestern after the bye. Uh, I think that uh, Henry Carberg, you know, probably will and should be the starting quarterback against uh, Northwestern unless something happens over the course of two weeks. But I really think that Jeff Sims should get some he should get some uh, some time in that game and, you know, not mop up duty and, you know, not the second half, but maybe the third offensive series. You know, he ought to come in and get a series. He should have 
some designated series in, in that football game uh, to get him back on the horse because, you know, coming into the season, he had earned the number one spot. And, yep, we can, we can criticize him all we want to about his play in those first two games. Uh, but I'm going to maintain that was an outlier and not uh, what, what he'll give us going forward. Okay. Hey, Buffalo Harry comes in, obviously a Colorado fan. Yeah, I thanks for being here. And he says, can you imagine watching a history video about Nebraska, the most boring state in the whole entire country? I'll tell you what, Buffalo Harry. You know what? It's up to the storyteller to make the story interesting. And that's the problem with you fuckers in Colorado. You got mountains and you just think you're interesting because you got mountains. The mountains aren't interesting. They're just mountains. Okay. That's the problem. The people in the, the world is what makes the world interesting. Not fuck big rocks coming out of the ground. My God. You know, the people in Nebraska had to work their asses off to settle the state. And there's tons of stories about how hard they worked. And, uh, you know, there is a free public domain book. I've, I may have mentioned this before. It is 600 pages long about the history of Western Nebraska. It was published in like 1884, 1890. You can go out and get it, download it as a PDF and read it. And you can read all about the shit that went on in just Western Nebraska. About how they had a, they had, they, North Platte was where the cattle drives went in coming up from Texas, right? And then when they were done with the cattle drives, what'd they do? They drank and they had orgies because they had all this money. The guys would get paid and they'd, ha they'd have saloons, they'd have orgies. And there's a long story in there about a cowboy that accidentally shoots, a, he shoots himself dead because he's drunk and they take his body and they throw it in the corner. And by the morning, there's three dead cowboys in the corner and they take him up and they bury him on Boot Hill, wherever that town is. It's like North and North Platte. And you know, those stories are constant in there about how they ran into a guy, they accused him of wrestling, they hung him in a tree. I mean, it's pretty brutal. But just because you have mountains, you sons of bitches, and it's not interesting because just because you have mountains. And if that's what you think, you you got to be the most boring people on the planet. There you go. Yeah, you have to talk now, Todd. I, I I'm out of breath. <laughs> well, you know, I like your little history lesson on Western Nebraska. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe Buffalo Harry needs to travel with me because I've seen, you know, a lot of Nebraska in the last few years. And there's a lot of beautiful stuff in this state. Um, I, I like Colorado, too. I like Colorado, too. But, uh, you know, don't come in here talking smack about Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, dumbass. Yeah, yeah. Some, go, go talk smack with prime time. Yeah, um, go, go to Vail or whatever it is. Go to Vail. Yeah. Um, Mike Fitz says Grant going down was a scare. Emmett Johnson played well, but has a big fumble. Did Fleeks play? Uh, the bye couldn't have come at a better time. It, uh, Mike, I'm really concerned about the running back situation. You know, Nebraska wants to be a running team. The offensive line has not. Um, come along like a lot of people had hoped with the run game. But uh, also when you lose your top two running backs and then you see Grant go down like that, holy smokes. Uh, Emma Johnson did show a little, uh, um, you know, he, he's got a little something going for him there, but you're right. That fumble was huge. Fleeks did play. I think he had one carry. I don't know if he had any more than that. Um, 
but yeah, hopefully we can get some running backs healed up a little bit. Uh, or more importantly, hopefully we can get some young guys maybe in two weeks ready to play um, so that um, so that we can see what we have actually. Oh my God, Colorado. Roger Moore says Coloradans have bad teeth. <laughs> what a random thing. <clears throat> okay, keep going. Here's here's one that I think is kind of interesting. Wade Farr says, does preferred walk-on get any money help or room and board for any help for at all of their cert for their service? Thanks, John and Greg, for all your answers. Um, I'm Todd. Uh, Greg's on <laughs> Thursday nights, and and usually you don't get a lot of answers from Greg. He does he does most of the talking, and John, you know, he he defers to John, and John gives all the answers. So. Um, Greg has opinions that uh, I think everybody should listen to. Um, no, I'm giving Greg a bunch of crap here. You are? Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's because he got to go to the game on Friday night, and I didn't. I I'm jealous. Yeah. He was there. Preferred walk-ons don't get anything uh, additional you know, compared to a walk-on in terms of uh, monetary benefits or that type of thing. Um, it's just uh, – a label that they they slap on them, and and I don't know. There might be some things within the program that um, they get, but uh, a walk on is a walk on for the most part. Uh, yeah. I, do they get stipends? Or are those oh, just they eat at the trading table and some of that type of thing. Um, you know, Fred, I, I appreciate always appreciate Fred Nebraska building a stadium, and I was going to pay for it. Um, yeah, we're going to make Iowa pay for our stadium. So. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There we go. Here's cilantro a little bit ago. John, could you compare Matt Rule's coaching performance to Scott Frost? It seems like Frost would have lost the Illinois game 10 times out of 10. Well, yeah. That's you know that's unfortunate, and, and the honest-to-God truth is I – I, Frost will forever remain an enigma of a guy that just really didn't do anything on at, at his alma mater, you know, where he was supposed to be a savior. Uh, I think Matt Rule has, well, he's rebuilt teams before and he knows what he's doing as a head coach. I did enjoy, I you know, I watched the NFL this weekend too, and uh, I think uh, somebody beat the hell out of the 0-4 Carolina Panthers, which proved to me, who was it that was beating the hell out of them, Todd? Do you know? No, I tweeted I about this. Uh, they yeah, were getting the shit kicked out of them, and the, the Carolina Panthers, they're 0 4. And, you know, it, when we hired Matt Rule, we got all these notes from people from, that were Carolina fans, and they said, that guy's a problem. He's a horrible coach. I don't think Matt Rule was your problem. Just saying, you know. I, somebody tw tweeted me and said, well, he wasn't part of the solution either. And it's kind of like, whatever. You, get, you guys are terrible. My God. All right, there's way too much time on the NFL. Detroit, Detroit, there you go. Cilantro has it. Detroit was beating the hell out of uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers. Hey. Which, how things have changed. Yeah? <laughs> Todd is contemplating the world again. Uh Wade Farr says, I just wanted to see if Todd pays attention because your names are put up there for us to see. Uh, nice one, Wade. 
How about this one? Bug Eater 79 says, we've had too many seasons with our quarterback being the leading rusher at the end of the season. I agree 100%. Um, you know, and, and we heard it uh, from Coach Rule that in the offense that he wanted to put in place uh, and with what he expected from our offensive line and our running backs that uh, the quarterback should not be the leading rusher. Uh, but here we are again. Once again, we have um, – we have the quarterback leading the team in rushing yards. And that, that to me is always uh, a, a scary situation. I mean, back even in the, you know, when we were running the ball all over the place with the option, we had eye backs that were the leading rushers. It was never the quarterback, even though the quarterback carried the ball a lot. So yeah, that's, that's problematic for me. Um, here's, I, I like this one, you know, Fred, you're, you're coming in with some heat this tonight. Colorado has Casa Bonita where Dion's sons will end up working someday. <laughs> <laughs> Casa Bonita, for some of you folks, is this incredible restaurant in Denver that actually started to get kind of run down and decay, and then some people bought it and have resurrected it and stuff. But I think they have, like, cliff divers and stuff in this really? restaurant. Yeah, it's supposed to be quite the spectacle at Casa Bonita. <laughs> Roger Moore says Fedoni needs to be used more. I agree with that statement, but somebody's got to get him the ball. Uh, okay, we're at 45, 46 minutes, Todd. Mid-season assessment, mid-season grades. How should we do that? We didn't really talk about this ahead of time because, you know, we don't plan shit. We just we just go, zoom, make it up as we go kind of thing. Right? If you had to give an overall grade at mid-season, what would you give them? C-. minus. Wow, C minus. Why a yeah. minus? Oh, because they're they're just not they're not where I think they could be, and that's in large part due to some things that a lot of our folks joining us tonight have have commented on. It's you know the penalties, the sloppy play, the turnovers. Um, Nebraska is an average football team. And they're they're going to be an average football team. They're they're going to finish somewhere, you know, in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Uh, hopefully, you know, they can scratch out another three wins and get a bowl game. I really, I think they can. I think there's three more wins out there. I'm I'm pretty optimistic about that. But um, it, you know, I would say a C minus um, offense. You know, the defense is a B. The offense is a D, D minus. Special teams, I would say, is a C. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the way I kind of see it right now. Wow. What did you give the defense? I'd give them a B. You don't give them an A? <laughs> that moment he, he goes back into contemplating mode. <laughs> People are coming in. I would give if I gave the team an overall grade right now, it would probably be a C plus. I think that you know, again, you know, your first two games of the season, you just really kind of were walking around trying to figure out who you were. Michigan was a lost cause, no matter what. Um, I think that you know, Todd's right in the overall structure of things that they are kind of a. I don't, you know, the 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 phrase they're a mid. If you say call something mid. That's really uh, an insult these days. So I wouldn't call them a mid-team, but I would say 
that they're they probably are about the middle of the Big Ten, and that is uh, that's a vast improvement compared to what they were. Todd, yeah, no, I got a question. You kind of, I'm having connection issues here. You are. I, I did ask the question. Do you think is our defense an A defense? I our our defense is not Iowa's defense, and our defense isn't Michigan's defense. No, that's true. So I, you know, I, yeah, I guess that's, that's a my, good point. That's why I kind of see him at a. At you a, know what our I, our defense is 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 Iowa's defense. It's just they have Cooper DeGene, and if you've heard about him, he seems to be the best player in the history of football. Well, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vince Watson says John using the Kool Aid curve. Well, okay, maybe I am a little bit. I would say the defense is okay, a B plus. I'm on the pluses, Todd. Uh, many back here somewhere said rank uh, Tony White and Marcus Satterfield separately as coaches. Tony White, a B. Yeah. Marcus Satterfield, C minus. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna give Tony. I'm gonna give Marcus Satterfield a B plus. Okay. Because you 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 went out there and you said, "Here's the shit you got to work with." <laughs> and then, okay, by the I'll way, I'll bump him up to the C. Way, by the way, we're going to injure. This, this is God talking. Here's what you got to work with, Marcus. This is in a dream he had one night. Here's what you got to work with, Marcus. And by the way. I'm going to injure, like, go oh, the best of them as the season goes on. There, you know, so there you go. Good luck. I think the guy is actually, uh, you know, I know people are like, oh, he should be fired. He, I think he's done a really good job given what he's working with. I mean, his left side of his line really isn't that functional. I think he's been, he has been, listen, he's been so creative with the offense that he's learned how to run the option. And for those of us who don't coach, I think we look at that and go, what's the big deal? They just run around and they switch. That stuff is a heavily taught about timing. And again, I'm going to go back to Milt Tenniper's book or read, read a book about offensive line blocking and stuff like that and understanding how you're part of the offensive coordinator. You have to teach your, your whole offense how to run an offense and that means having your linemen recognize what fronts they're looking at and dealing with all the, you know what I mean? Dealing with God knows how many different defensive fronts, how many different defensive alignments, and then doing the blocking on the fly as those alignments change in front of them during the, the cadence. So a lot of this stuff is not, I, it's very, very technical, and it's not as easy as we think it is. So I do think Marcus Satterfield would uh, has done a decent job, and Tony White I'd give an A because you know he's he's taken the guys that he has and he's taken a defense that last year I think Bill Bush had to like I don't know inject with a lot of adrenaline to get him to play defense. Well, there's there's some truth there. I could be convinced to to bump Tony White's grade up a little bit, you know, and I, I don't disagree here either you know cilantro says iowa's defense is better than nebraska's but nebraska still has top five defense in the conference i yeah i would i think i think you got to put nebraska's defense in the top five but you know i'm not giving five a's when there's you know 14 teams in the conference so todd was a teacher for years he's really yeah, he's I, I, you know he, there you go that's 
And um, here's here's something I find kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, it's been up here a couple of times, so it must be true if it's showing up on our chat. Dion is going to be on the cover of Time next week. Um, you, you know, I think that that's wild. I think that that, you know, he has changed the way that the media is looking at college football, but yeah. also he is bringing a lot of eyes to college football that um, haven't been there in the past. Um, in my opinion, he's good for college football. Uh, we can we can say all we want to about Colorado and you know, I, I don't have a problem if people are critical of him. I, you know, I, I loved watching Deion Sanders play. I thought he was an incredible athlete. It was fun yeah. watching him play two sports at a high level. Um, you know, um, but I, you know, I'm not into all the the trash talking and you know making it personal. I, you know, I've never, I've never been a fan of that. So I guess I kind of, I don't appreciate that. But I do appreciate with what he's doing. You know, at, at Colorado, I mean, they've won some games. They're better than they were last year. But he's got a lot of people paying attention to college football right now. Just like Taylor Swift. There you go. He's bringing <laughs> a different audience, just like Taylor Swift. He is oh, the Taylor you. Swift of college football. <laughs> oh, God. Aaron Restoff Stadowski says, John, the book reader. Uh, probably true. I haven't read any books for a while. Hey, you know what? I'm going to plug this, though. You see this? The University of Nebraska Press sent me this a few days ago. And what it is is it's a book by John Mabry. It's called Nebraska Foot Volleyball, The Origin Story. And I'm sure that it's kind of glary there. Yeah. Nebraska. And I haven't started. I haven't read this yet. But I'm, I'm thankful that somebody wrote the book. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, because if you go through it, if you go through the the uh, table of contents, the forward is by Jordan Larson. Uh, it talks about Firth, Ogallala, Waco, Blair, Bertrand, and all of those places. Now, why does it mention those those towns? Uh, because there's a, I think there's a lot of profiles of players like Kathy. Was her name Kathy Noth or Noth? She was from Iowa. She was? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Bertrand. Come on. Karen Dahlgren, I think, was Bertrand. I, I, I think it might have been a Dahlgren from there. I think my wife played been. against her. But, uh, go you know, ahead. Linda Wilkins comes on. Big big shout-out to the volleyball team for another great weekend on the road. You know, they've played four games in a row on the road. Um, with the exception of Michigan, they've lost the first game in every one of those, and they fought back to win. And, you know, kudos to them. But the volleyball program, well, okay, so here's my brush with greatness. Uh, when I was uh, on Thursday, I told you I'd been, John, I'd been up in the Columbus area. I, I did a visit at um, Logan uh, Logan View, at home of Jordan Larson. So I was in that school uh, last week, and they have an incredible display uh, honoring her. Uh, they've got a one of her Nebraska jerseys in there. They've got one of her either world championship or Olympic jerseys in there. And, you know, a, a Logan, it's, it's, and a lot of other items are in this display. It's, it's really neat. And, you know, I, I'm the advocate that uh, 
if we have is we, we have at least three um, statues around Memorial Stadium, it's high time that we have one or two statues outside Devaney. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this on other shows, but, um, you know, at the same time, roughly the same time, Nebraska had two graduates who were considered to be the best in the world at their sport. And this was coming off, uh, you know, a couple of years ago where Jordan Larson was considered to be the best volleyball player in the world and Jordan Burroughs was considered to be the best wrestler in the world. So I think there needs to be a statue of the two of them, the Jordans, the Jordans statue yeah. outside Devaney. And, uh, you know, they can't get that thing done soon enough. Uh, it needs to happen. Yeah. What, how do we contribute to that? What the hell? I think you and I just need to make an appointment and go talk to Trav next time we're in town. <laughs> just call him up and say, hey, we, we, we need uh, 15 minutes of your time. Sit down and talk to him. Uh, Moonbot7 says, is Kim Barron's from Chapel, Nebraska in there? I don't know. There's not an index. You ever notice that anymore, that people don't put indexes in books? But I think that's kind of weird. You know, back when I was writing books in the computer industry, you made a huge index because it was a way to create. It was a way to increase the thickness of your book, and you knew when people walked into a bookstore to buy an IT book, they looked for the thickest books. Not making that shit up. So you created a really big index. Okay, um, uh, I think here's I, I, here's an honest question: What's the greater accomplishment for Harvard, becoming the starting quarterback or dating Harper Murray? Um, I think I think that's a great poll question. We we need to put that in one of the articles this week. Um, you know, kind of the mid-season football article about the greatest accomplishment for for uh, that is true. Heineken. We got all this stuff about Taylor Swift and Deion Sanders going on. You might as well have some celebrity type stuff going on inside Nebraska. Well, why not? I mean, everybody loves a little romance like that. You can read that one. <laughs> I am not touching that Fred, one. Fred Sacco says, tell us more about how you increase thickness, John. That's a different show, actually, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Cilantro comes in. Any thoughts on the Georgia Tech Miami? Any? I heard him talking about this, and I saw a blip about it. I didn't see the game, but apparently Mario Cristobal ought to be like, if not fired, at least suspended for just yeah. – just, Dumb, dumb, dumb. It, at the end of the game, uh, Miami could have kneeled the ball down and gone into victory formation and kneeled, and they would have won the game, but they chose to run the ball. Their running back fumbled. And one play later, Miami's defense had a breakdown in coverage, and Georgia Tech hits a guy that gets behind the like safeties or behind the defensive backs – and he scores with one second left. And my thought on the my biggest thought on that ending is it couldn't have happened to a nicer team. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if it had happened to Texas. But yeah, Mario Cristobal is getting just crucified everywhere. And and quite frankly, for good reason. I mean, uh, the only time in my life I've ever felt sorry for a Miami player was the TV showing the running back sitting on the sideline and he's absolutely distraught and you can read his lips as he says, what the fuck are we even doing? And he looks so 
I'm just distraught and destroyed. And that that part was sad. And I did I had sympathy for that guy, but not all of mine. <laughs> but uh yeah, there was a lot of crazy there was a lot of really good college football this weekend. And yeah, there was. There Aaron comes in with we need the Harburg Murray kids and the Halu Mancuso kids stat. Yeah, you know, um <laughs> Oh, oh boy! What well, what else do we got, John? The book you know reading. we're at an hour, John. We and, are. Um, you know we've got uh, a couple of weeks before our boys strap it up again. Volleyball is, uh, I think, they're at home this week. We got the red white series in baseball that starts started this afternoon. Uh, Nebraska took on uh, Cloud County uh, Community College on Saturday and put up a lot of runs, and they threw a lot of young guys. Put them out on the mound. Um, success there. Softball's playing a lot of scrimmage games. They were in Kansas City. They walloped Creighton on Sunday. Jordy Ball is out there getting people excited about softball. And the soccer team is playing really good right now. Um, you know, so it's, it's it's a good time right now for Nebraska athletics. Let's get these football players healed up. Let's get some confidence. Um, let's get some confidence built up and uh, go out and whip Northwestern in a couple of weeks. That's that's where I'm at right now. They are three and three. Now, granted, they barely beat Howard this past weekend. I watched part of that, and it was like, what the hell is going on here? But the idea that Northwestern is three and three, that they actually have three wins, is pretty much a testament to the guy that they're interim and coach. So yes, and yeah. I could bag on Northwestern for another hour, but and you guys have heard that, but you know, good for him. At least he's held his kids together, and well, not you know what I mean, his young men well, together, and yeah, we'll see what happens when we play. Yep. Yep, we will. It will, you know, we better be ready to play because Northwestern could come out. I mean, you know, the way it looks to me that Nebraska, we can, we can win any of the games that we have left on our schedule, but we can lose any of them too. I mean, yeah. that's the yep. team that we have right now. Wade Farce has smashed the like button. Please do that so that, uh, you know, the YouTube algorithm knows that people like us and stuff like that. <clears throat> Uh, Wade Forrest says, I appreciate you guys not begging for chat money like that Connor guy does. <laughs> Seems like only $20 donations get read on his show. So thank you all of again on here. Thank you again that all of us here on here matter. Connor's got a bigger problem than I do and that he had a thousand people online uh, after the game. And when there's a thousand people going by in the comments, the only ones that show up that you can see are the chats, the super chats for money. So that, that Wade, you could give us 20 bucks. <laughs> All right. You are I, shameless. You I, are shameless. I need, I, I need to buy some more prescription drugs or something. You know, that's what the deal is. Okay. Uh, there you go. I think that's it for tonight. Thank you all for your, your support. Yeah. Uh, tell been, your friends, tell fun. your neighbors. Uh, it, enjoy your bye week. The good thing is that uh, other people are going to lose this week and, and not Nebraska. There you go. Good night, Todd. Good night, John.